0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight, chapter 2, from the first letter of St. John. At the end of the first chapter, St. John that the children of God should not sin but if we sin then we need to confess our sins and God is faithful in order to forget our sins and also the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Cleans and purifies us from every sin. Then, in chapter 2, he started by saying, I am not telling you that if we confess our sins, will be forgiven, and perhaps the blood of Jesus forgive our sins. I am not saying this to you just as a license to sin. But actually, I want to tell you that uh, the true believer who fights the good fight against sin, if he falls any sin, out of weakness, this is not the end of the story. He should not lose hope. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is an advocate and it means intercede on our behalf before the Father and knowing he intercedes, he intercedes by his own blood because he is also from provocation for our sins. But we, his children, should not take this knowledge as a license for sin, not because The Lord Jesus is our advocate and also is our propitiation, so this means we can continue in sin, but if we know Him, we must keep His commandments. And all His commandments can be summarized in one word, love, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself but less some people think that the commandment of love should be applied to every situation even loving the world and loving the passions of the world St. so made it clear that we should not love the world or the things that are in the world and also we should be careful from the false prophets and from the crisis Also, we need to love everybody, but this doesn't mean we conduct our life without wisdom. Love doesn't mean to compromise your faith and to compromise your doctrines, but although we are asked and required to love everybody but we should be very very careful uh, in dealing with the false prophets and in price and actually we should avoid them completely and he concluded the chapter by asking them to let the truth, the truth uh, the true doctrine and the true faith abide within, him, and thus they will abide in Christ. That's actually the summary of the chapter, but let's study the chapter verse by verse. Verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin, And if anyone says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. When he said, my little children here, he is not addressing the children, the kids, the infants. No, St. John was an ancient apostle by this time, maybe 80 something. Everybody actually is considered his little children. That's why he used this word, my little children, words of affection from each apostle like Saint John. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. He's telling them what I told you if we confess our sins is faithful to forgive us. And when I told you the blood of our Lord, Jesus Christ, purifies us from every sin, this doesn't mean I'm giving you license to sin. No. I'm, I'm not telling you, do whatever you want to do, then confess, take communion and you'll be forgiven. No. I am writing this letter to you that you may not sin. Then why I told you if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins, and the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us. I am telling you this so that you may not lose hope. I understand as a human being like you, without me, and sometimes, all of us, we sin. So, if anyone sins, he should not lose hope. Why? Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate means like defender, lawyer, attorney, paraclete. And also the Holy Spirit is called paraclete. And paraclete means defender, lawyer. So if the sin title is applied to the Lord Jesus Christ and applied also to the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate because He intercedes by His blood. He intercedes by His sacrifice on the cross. That is why He is our advocate. The Holy Spirit from the righteousness of Christ and gives us this righteousness. And the Lord Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, He will take what is mine and give it to you. So the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf by taking from the righteousness of Christ and then takes this righteousness and gives it to us. Like we baptize a child. This child actually is under the sentence of death before baptism. Then in baptism, because he participated in the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit takes from the righteousness of Christ and to his child, and the child becomes righteous. That's why we dress it in white clothes. A symbol of His righteousness. So the Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate because He intercedes for His blood before the Father, and the Holy Spirit is our advocate because He takes from the righteousness of Christ and gives to us. So He's saying, if anyone sins he should go to Christ our head and he described Christ by the word of the righteous the righteous because on our behalf he fulfilled all the righteousness of the law. he is the Holy One and also when he took our humanity on our behalf he fulfilled all righteousness as he said to St. John for his baptism, we ought to fulfill our righteousness, and Christ pleads with the Father through his righteousness, not to withdraw his love from us. Then, verse 2, he said, and he himself, Jesus Christ, is the provocation for our sins, Provocation in Arabic means kaffar. What's provocation? Provocation means to cover, to cover. So Jesus, by covering us, by his blood, we became righteous. And actually, in the Holy of the Holies, you will find the Ark of the Covenant. And the cover of the Ark of the Covenant is called propitiation, the cover, to cover, and also this cover is called the mercy seat. And when God actually met us with His mercies. that's why in the day of the high priest used to enter into the holy of the Lord and sprinkle blood on the cover of the Ark of Covenant and this cover is called provocation, which means to cover so Christ is our mercy seat Christ is where we go and we find mercy and forgiveness through His blood because He covered us with His blood as the Lord said to Moses, I will see the blood and pass over I will see the blood and pass over it. I will forget. I will forget. I will not punish. And He Himself is the provocation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And here, I want to differentiate between Christ as provocation and Christ as advocate. As provocation, his offering is for everyone. when He died on the cross, He died for everybody. His blood can forgive all sins for all people in all ages. Forgive all sins for all people in all ages. That's why He said, not for ours only, but for the whole world. Although his blood is to for everyone, his provocation for everyone, but not everybody accepted him. Only those who accepted this offering accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, only those Jesus will defend them. So his advocacy is only for those who accepted his provocation. So the offering of salvation is for everybody, but you will not defend except those who accept this free offering of salvation. Verse 3 Now by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commands. He made it clear that I am writing to you that you may not sin. How would you know if you are living and conducting pure and holy life or not? How can you test this? He told us, we know that we know Him if we keep His commandment. So the evidence that you have the knowledge of Christ is your obedience to the commandment of God. The first step is to know about Christ the unbeliever first has to know about Christ. Then when he accepts Christ, there is the knowledge of Christ. He knows Christ but obeying his commandments. Verse 4. He who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone claims that he knows Christ, but He lives in disobedience, he does not obey the commandment of God, he is a liar. And the truth, because the commandment of God is the truth, the truth is not in him. If you don't keep the commandment of God, the truth is not in you. And Jesus himself is the truth. When we keep His commandment, we abide in Him and He abide in us. So, if I disobey the commandment of God, then Jesus and is, the is not abiding in me. Verse 5. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. As I told you, the commandment of God can be summarized in one word, love. So if you keep the commandment of God, means you love God and love your neighbor, you love the other. Which means if you keep the commandment of God, then the love of God is made perfect in you. By keeping His commandment, the love of God will be perfect in you because the commandment of God can be summarized in loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself that's why he said whoever keeps his word truly the love of God is perfected in him by this we know that we are in him so our obedience, our obedience to the commandment of God is the fruit of our love to God but also not only the proof of our love to God, but it is also the proof that we love God. So if we love God, we will obey his commandment, and this obedience is the proof, the evidence that we love God. And this will give the love of God opportunity to flow over my whole life. St. John here describing how the relationship with God is progressing the first step is to know about God second step is to know Christ third step is to have fellowship with Him he said to abide in Him, we know that we are in Him we are in Him means we have fellowship with Him but this fellowship can be different means sometimes I will abide in Him and sometimes I drift away but I am not constantly in Him that is why the last step of the fourth stage is the constant and continuous abiding in Him like now you the church, but you leave the church and come back to the church. So you have a fellowship with the church. But if you stay in the church, then you are abiding him. In the same way, the relationship with God progressed from knowing about God, to know him, to have fellowship with him, and then to abide in him. That's why in verse 6 he said, he who says, he abides in him all himself also to walk just as he walked. So how you to know that you are abiding constantly in him? How do you know that you, re- you reach this fourth stage to abide constantly in him? Actually, when you walk exactly like Christ, when you follow his footsteps, when you let the life of Christ. That is how we know God abiding in Him. As He said, if anyone says He abides in Him, all He said was to walk as Jesus walked. But how Jesus walked? How, how the Lord Jesus Christ conducted His life? I can summarize His life on earth again in one word love. God is love. So if you are looking like Jesus, then actually we should show this love for every Verse 7. Brethren, I write no commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So it will then now allow you to walk as Jesus, which means to have love to God and for others. I am not writing a new commandment. This commandment I gave to you from the very beginning, from my first visit to you, from the first time I preached the gospel to you. I am not writing a new commandment, but all commandment commandments you have had from the beginning. This commandment is the commandment of love. That's it. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which faith is true in him and in you. He said, but now the commandment of love I'm describing as a new commandment. How come? Because the commandment of love has a new dimension in the life of Christians. In the Old Testament, you didn't have the grace You were living or abiding in darkness. That's why you could not grow in your love for God and love for others. That's why in the Old Testament it was said, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But now in the New Testament, since you have the grace of God abiding in you, now you can actually love your enemy. Now you are not living in the darkness of the Old Testament but living in the light of Christ and because of this light, the commandment of love has a new dimension and if you are not growing in the commandment of love to the extent that you are able to love even your enemy then you are still living in the darkness of the Old Testament and, and this commandment of love the was shown in the life of Christ. He died on the cross for us while we were his enemies, while we were sinners. So Christ, the truth of love, was demonstrated in the life of Christ. That's why he said, which sin is true in him and in you. Also the truth of love, which means the unconditional love, the sacrificial love, the limitless love, could also be demonstrated in you, could also be true in you, if you are abiding in Christ, and Christ abiding in you. You can have the unconditional sacrificial and limitless love. Why? Because the darkness is passing away, the darkness of sin, the darkness of the ignorance of God, is passing away. Why? Because the true light of Christ is really shining. Christ, the light of the world, is shining in your your life and He is actually pushing the darkness away from your life. That's why there is no excuse for a Christian not to love his brother, not even to love his enemies. Those who have hatred in their heart means they don't right. Christ. Because if they not Christ, they will be able to love even their enemies as the Lord Jesus Christ says. Verse 9. Uh, Here he says he is in the light, and his brother is in darkness until now. Don't deceive yourself. Don't say I am walking in the light of Christ. Why are you not hitting your brother? If you are hitting your brother, if you are hitting your enemy, if you are not reconciled with some people, if you want to corruption and anger against some people, don't deceive yourself. You are not in the light, you are still in darkness. You are still in darkness. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, is still in darkness of the man he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him when we have his brother we love this shows that I am abiding in the light of Christ if you walk in the light you will not stumble but if you walk in darkness definitely you will stumble that's why when a person hits his brother He makes very foolish decisions, very foolish choices. His anger actually put him in many problems. His problems, because of the healing. Like came, because he hated his brother, he killed him. That's why he says, But he who hates his brother is in darkness. And lost in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes definitely he will become so blind and will make very very foolish and stupid choices and decisions he may hurt others by the hatred in his heart because he is still living in the darkness but those who are walking in the light cannot stumble he who is not following Christ. You cannot say, I am Christian, while you hate your brother. But and the person, if you lost the darkness, then you will not be even rational or moral. When you talk to him, he has no uh, reason, uh, good reason, for good rationale. That's why you cannot see the ninjas that placed him on the account of darkness. Then John, after he explained this, he tried to tell the now, you must from darkness to light. So let me, what I am expecting from you and what love is expecting from you. This is I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven. You for his name's sake. He is saying to them, now I'm writing to you my little children. I'm explaining little children means everyone, including everyone because he was each apostle. Now I'm writing to you because you moved from darkness to light. Your sins are forgiven, but let me explain to you. Your sins are forgiven. Not because we are worthy of forgiveness, but our sins are forgiven because of His love, because of His name's sake, because He loved us while we were sinners. And if Christ forgives our sins because He is love, then actually we need to forgive one another. And we need actually to uh, love one another like Christ did with us. But again, this forgiveness is not because we are worthy, but because he's good and his love will be used forever. Verse 13. I like you, fathers. Now be classified the people into three categories: fathers, youth, and children. Fathers can be understood as parents, youth, as young youth, young men and ladies, and children as little kids. So, the word children here, in verse, uh, in verse 13, he means the infants and the little kids, It doesn't mean to provide. But also some church fathers, interpret father, young men and youth, and children, Fathers mean people who have been in Christianity for a very, very long time. So they became like fathers to the recently converted. Youth, those who are accepted Christ for a shorter period of time. And children, those who are recently converted to Christ. He said to the fathers, I like your fathers because, because you have known him. Who is from the beginning. So, then. Now you acquire this knowledge. You heard about him, you believed in him, and now you reach the spiritual maturity. Now you know him. He who is from the beginning. So, I am. Although you did not see Christ in the flesh, but you walked with Christ long enough, and now you realize that his presence in your life. You are aware of his presence in your life, so now I write writing to you, because Christ who is from the beginning, who is eternal with the Father, now you know him, and you are aware of his presence. I write to you young men, youth, because you have overcome the wicked one. Actually, the special excellence of the youth is their victory over the temptation. Victory over the evil one. Youth are still struggling with the temptation of the world. So he said to them, I write to you, because they cry, because your sins are forgiven, because you have the grace of God, now you can overcome the evil one and be victorious in your life. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Little children in verse 17, means kids and children, all those who are listening in faith. Does not mean everyone, does not mean, uh, as I told you, other little children, is an aged apostle. In this very specific verse, either he meant the little children, little kids, or those who are recently converted to Christianity. But he said to the fathers, because you have known him, and also said to the children, because you have known the father. So what is the difference? Actually, our journey is starting by knowing Christ. Then we start to struggle with temptation. Until we overcome temptation, then this knowledge is became perfect. So the little ones, when he talked them because they are from the father, he told them, now you are baptized. And you can call God our Father God in heaven. Before practicing, you, you can call Him our Father God in heaven. And the knowledge of God for the children is that He is their Father. But when they become and when they overcomes the evil one as youth and grow older and older faith, their knowledge of God became more mature and experiential. So, for the children, as if he said then, you started your children to know God. For the father, you told them, now you are, and at the end, at the stage, you know, now are mature, and experience the Father. Verse 14 is emphasis to verse 15. He is repeating the same meaning for emphasis. I have written to you, Fathers. Because, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, not are again because you are strong. Now he explaining the secret of victory here. What is the secret here? Because you are strong, why you are strong? Because the word of God abides in What Which word is the word of love? And when love abides in us, they actually are walking in the light, and those who walk in the light will not stop. So instead of them, you are strong because the word of God abided in you and you have overcome the wicked one. The only one is safe in advance of this world. And this verse shows us the importance of studying the scripture, keeping the scripture in our heart, memorizing the scripture. This is the secret of our victory. Verse 15. Unless anybody must understand and, and think that they should love everything, even the world and the lust of the world. He told them in verse 16: do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So now he's giving like general exhortation to everybody. And he told them, the love of God and the love of the world are not compatible. You cannot love God in the same way you love the world. But what He means by loving the world? He means here, the things of the world, the passions of the world. Because in John 3.16 we read, for God to love the world. In John 3.16 he meant, God loved the people in the world. But in this verse, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world means do not love the passions, the sins of the world. The way of the world, the passions, the pleasures, the pursuits of the world. Do not love the world with the sins in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. You cannot love God and love the world at the same time. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the He said there are three things, and these are the flesh of sins. Any sin are under these three sins. Lust of the flesh, love of pleasure, to follow the desires of the flesh. The flesh needs your spirit and your soul. Love uh, the last of of eye materialism everything you, you see you want to have materialism and pride of life, evil, pride, these are the three sins uh, the desires that come from appetites and passions and the desire aroused by appeals made to our eyes and the very glory of the world such quality created by uh, that's the pride of life. And he said these three things are not of the Father but of the Lord. They are against God. So these are the three main sins that are tempting us. Love, pleasure, materialism and pride. If you think about the temptation of the mountain when Satan tempted the Lord Jesus Christ. When he told him, change the stone to live the was of the flesh. When he told him, I will be the cause of the kingdom of the world, the lust of When he told him, throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple, this is the plan of God, of throwing himself and the angels having him. That's why in the the three powers are against these three things. Celibacy is against the lust of the flesh, Power is against materialism, lust of the heart and obedience humbleness is against the pride of life. Why told us that do not love the world. Even the pressure of the world is temporary. The world cannot give you permanent habits for permanent joy. He can make you laugh for a few minutes, but from within you still hurt as one thing. That's why He told us, verse 17, the world is passing away under us all, but he will pass the will of God forever and forever. forever." All these things are transient. You you cannot put your trust in something depraved or something transient. But if you do the will of God, that's eternal security. If you abide in God, God is unchangeable, immutable. So, he who loves the word of God, abides forever, survive forever, live forever, will be victorious forever, if you abide in God. Verse 15. Little children. Little children means everybody. Everybody. As an ancient apostle. It is the last hour. What means last hour? Means the end of the world? No, you know this 2,000 years ago. They divide the whole life of humanity into four stages. First stage, the creation. Second, the time of the of Moses. Then, the prophets after Moses, and then Christ. So, by saying what is in the last many means war in the last dispensation of the world. Creation, law, prophets. Christ. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist has come. Antichrist here, if you are looking with me, it is capital E. Even now, many Antichrists, plural and small e, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They think there is Antichrist singular with capital A. Because there are antichrists, purer and small evil, are come, who have come. The antichrist is the man of sin, about who we read in the letter of the word to the assembly. That is the man of sin. But there are many antichrists, not the man of sin who will appear at the end of days, but many people are against Christ. And because we are against Christ, this means we are living in the time of Christ. And we are living in the Christ, the time of Christ is the last dispensation. Thus we know we are in the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrist has come, by which we know that it is the last hour. The Antichrist who oppose Christ are those who oppose Christ. and the appearance of this for Christ means we are in the last dispensation of the world. And this anybody understand when Sir John told us to love the world, so love your brother, this means you accept and follow even the false teachers. That is why he's is working us. Yes, you need to love everybody. But to be in need of wisdom and discernment. Verse 19 They went they about the Antichrist, the post Christ. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So these people were Christian, but if they were true Christian, they wouldn't leave Christianity. The fact that they left Christianity means their Christianity or their faith was not genuine. They were apostates, apostates means more than 13. They were apostates, and usually the worst opponent of the church are those who once were inside the church but outwardly religious, but then they have fallen away. And he said if they were true and genuine Christian, they could hardly have fallen into such enemy. But they're going away and now who they are opposing the church showed that they were not really founded. But this doesn't mean anybody who has faithful or or genuine Christianity cannot be deceived. That's why he is warning them not to be deceived. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. He said, you should not be deceived by them, because on the day of your baptism you were anointed with the Holy One, my Lord. And you have this anointment from God. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy One. And this anointment will teach you everything. Uh, The word Christ means that He is made one, the anointed one. So when we say called Christians mean are the anointed people. Massachiyin and Mansachiyin Christian, that is many people. So we are the anointed one. And St. John is reminding them that you received the Holy Spirit and you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy And through this anointment, you will know everything. What does it mean you will know everything? means you will know everything you need to protect you from the deceit. Of these false teachers. If you have the knowledge of Christ, you know the scripture, then you have this protection to guard you against the false teachers. You have all things needful to, to protect you and guard you against these opponents and seducing teachers. Verse 21. I have not led you because you do not know the truth, but because you know. And that nobody is of the truth. He said, I'm not writing to you because you are ignorant of the truth. No, you are a Christian and you know the truth. And because of this, I'm writing to you to know that these false teachers are lies. They remind you. And you, as a true Christian, Should be able to discern between the truth and the lies. And all the true Christians should reject these false teachers. Unfortunately, some uh, Christians don't know how to discern and they follow many, many false teachers. They can go to the Orthodox Church and the Orthodox Church. Any person. Uh, who use the word of Christ in the name of Christ, they followed him by St. John saying, then, no, this is not right. You should be able to discern between a true teacher and a false teacher. Verse 22. Who is alive but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? If any prophet, if any teacher came to you and told you that Jesus is not God, Jesus is not the cris one, Jesus is not the Christ, Jesus is not the Messiah, he is a liar, he's a false teacher, he's a false prophet, him. He is anti Christ, he is against Christ, who denies the Father and the Son. And if you deny Christ, you are not denying Christ only, but also you are denying the Father, because the Son isn't the Father and the Father and the Son, they are one. So, denying the Son means he also deny the Father. Many people claim they believe in God, but they don't believe in Christ. No, if they don't believe in Christ, then they don't believe in God. They cannot believe in God and deny Christ. You cannot say, I believe in God, but I don't believe that Christ is God. He who denies the Son denies the Father too. Verse 23. (coughs) Whoever denies the son has a father either. He acknowledges the son as a father also. Because the father and the son are one. You cannot accept one and check the other. Some religions, they they claim they believe in God, but they don't believe in the divinity of Christ. That's that's a law, that's false, that's not the truth, because the son and the father are one. If you delight in the Son, you are not the Father, and if you acknowledge the Son, you are acknowledging also the Father too. Verse 34. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Let the true faith, the Son Doctor, abide in you, this faith, which actually you heard from the beginning. You heard from me, Saint job when I reached you. Let this truth concerning the Father as the Son, the Holy Trinity, uh, uh, abide in you. If what you were from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and the Father. If you remain you steadfast in your faith in the true doctrine, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. You will abide in the Son and the Father. Verse 25 And this is the promise that He has promised us eternal life. And if you abide in the Son and the Father, you will have eternal life. The, the Son is the earth and wealth. Usually, the Son is the for inheritance. If one are in the Son, who are in the Son, then you will inherit in Him. And then we have this promise, the eternal life. This promise is made all who accepted the Son, abide as the Son, and became also the children of the Father, created the for inheritance. These things I, verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. He's saying, I'm, I'm writing these things to you concerning these false teachers who are trying to deceive you. And I want you, you to know that the tool of the Satan is deception. The power of Satan lies in his ability to deceive. If Satan lost his ability to deceive, he will be powerless. Verse uh, 27 But the anointing which shall received from him abides in him. The anointing, the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Holy Spirit, that you received in the 2nd Transmission this anointing on you and not you against for teachers the anointing which you have received from him in you and you do not need that anyone teach you what does it mean you do not need anyone teach you St. John is teaching them he simply decided to the teach them he means here that uh, you do not need another first teacher to teach you don't go to them you have enough teaching inside the church inside the church you have the scripture you have the church fathers you have the whole tradition so all this will give us the we through this so why are you going to somewhere else to get teaching you have enough teaching inside your church so you do not need that anyone outside the church, outside the orthodox faith teach you. But as the same anointing and the Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Now have the teaching of the Holy Spirit. It's the truth. The teaching of the Holy Spirit is true. The teaching that you see in the church. From the church from the holy Spirit, the tradition, from the communion council, to teach. And this teaching is true and is not Allah. And as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. As the Holy Spirit and the church teach you, abide in Him. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us gifts like wisdom knowledge, prophecy, the serving of the Spirit. And this gift continued in the church. And then the new Testament was written. And now we have the word of God and we have the tradition, we have the church fathers. So we can say we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God teach us all the four things, and thus we know that we are abiding in Him. Verse 28 Now let the children abide in Him that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Abide in Him by continuing in the true faith some doctrine that was taught to you by the Holy Spirit, by the Scripture, by the Church. And if you abide in him, this will be the guarantee that you will not be ashamed in the judgment day. You will have confidence in that day. If you abide in him, abide in faith, the true doctrine, and walk as you walk. So doctrine and works, these are two things will give you confidence and you will not be ashamed in the judgment day when he in his second coming. If you know that he is right, verse 29, you know that everyone who grabs righteousness is born of heaven. Christ is righteous, He is the Holy One, and when He came the flesh, He fulfilled righteousness. That's why, when we also are righteous, this is evidence who are His children, who are born of Him. And if we are born of Him, who are His children, then we are finished with our inheritance. That's why, if you are of the children of God need to practice righteousness. So speaking here about com- confidence. Confidence in the last day comes from true faith, sound doctrine, practicing righteousness. Faith, good doctrine. Practice righteousness is good works. I remember one time he asked who will go to heaven. He said those who have the true faith and the good works. That's what John said here. Abide in this truth and also practice righteousness. That is what will give you confidence in the second coming of Christ, glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Now we will dismiss you in order to have a break for one hour. Then we will meet again at 10 for the consecration of the church. And also, during this night, we will do the lyrics, spicing the lyrics of St. Mecca. We didn't do it in vespers, because his Christmas father will be with us. So we'll do the spicing of the lyrics uh, uh, during the prayer of the crucifixion of the church. And uh, maybe most of you did not attend before the whole prayer of the crucifixion of the church i like uh, to attend with us this beautiful night. Uh, and all of us will be and give the glory and thanks to God for providing us this beautiful church, especially tomorrow is the feast of Sunday back. So God planned in a very wonderful way that we can the church of San Rebekah on the feast of Sunday Rebekah. May the reconciliation be, be with us. Thank you. Love it. Uh, just, we have a snack just snacks for you in um, the room, the reception hall. So after the uh, finish here, so we'll go to the uh, line hall, take some snacks, and we'll come back and start again. Thanks. Oh, my God, that we the, of love, to the sun, it's and of the year, with your goodness, Lord, the rivers, the springs, the plants, and the Save us were in the of mountains, the priesthood and people of the world, life, and that the excellent understanding of David, the wisdom of Solomon, and the comforting spirit Our Father, the Bishop the and the Father, the and the and the and the the and the the and the and 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 their the and the the and the and your say the blessing.